Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To You Good Health Radio. Today, I'm answering listeners' questions. I've gotten some really great ones, including, is taking an aspirin a day healthy? I'll share some of the latest research that aspirin takers need to be aware of. Could a lack of sleep be causing your weight problem? Does thumb sucking increase your baby's chances of getting sick from germs? A listener asks if coffee enemas are safe. I'll get to the bottom of that topic. <laughs> Does drinking carbonated water harm your teeth? And I'll also share some natural remedies for allergies and much, much more. You have questions. I have answers. Stay tuned for this information-packed segment, and it all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Hello, everybody. You know, since the last Ask the Doctor segment, I've gotten almost 100 questions sent in, and thank you for that. Remember, if I answer your question on the air, I'll send you a signed copy of my number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. And I'll include my best-selling audiobook, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you have any health-related questions or comments, you can reach out to me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. Okay, let's uh, get started with the questions. This first one is from Stephanie Harmon from New Hampshire. She asks, Dear Dr. Friedman, I love the show. Always learn so much. I'm a healthy 46-year-old female. I take no medications except for an aspirin a day which I heard was good to do to prevent heart disease. I recently read something saying it's not a good idea. What are your thoughts? Stephanie, thanks for the question, and I'm very happy to hear that you enjoy the show and learn things that are helping you empower your good health. And I'll tell you, you're not alone when it comes to aspirin. 45 million healthy Americans take aspirin as a preventative measure to keep them from getting heart disease. It's also the most popular pain reliever on the market. And what aspirin does, it acts as a blood thinner, which is beneficial if you have any placking of the arteries or if you suffer from a clotting disorder. However, this blood thinning effect can actually cause an increased risk of stroke and bleeding ulcers. In fact, there's a new study out there uh, published last week by the New England Journal of Medicine, and it shows the risks of major bleeding by taking a baby aspirin per day far outweigh any health benefits. So in this study of people over 70, they concluded, quote, no detectable benefit was seen from regular use of low-dose aspirin for people who don't have heart disease. So aspirin takers, you know, they're just more prone to internal bleeding. They get hem hemorrhagic stroke bleeding of the brain, and gastrointestinal bleeding that can actually require transfusion or hospitalization more so than people that don't take aspirin. There was an also increase in cancer deaths in the aspirin-treated group, which even surprised the researchers. And there's another study out there from Europe showing that regular use of aspirin can lead to vision loss. It also increases bruising and cuts that won't stop bleeding. So if you schedule a surgery, the first thing your doctor is going to tell you is stop taking aspirin. 
or he can't operate on you because it does cause the, the lack of, of, of uh, coagulating for the bleeding. So you definitely don't want to get surgery if you're on aspirin. So my view is this. If you're healthy and taking an aspirin a day to keep the cardiologist away, the negative effects outweigh the benefits. If you have cardiovascular disease or placking in the arteries, or even if you have a blood clotting disorder and your doctor puts you on a daily baby aspirin, follow his recommendation. And by the way, there's also a natural, safer alternative to aspirin that has the same effects. It's called white willow bark. And this, the use of white willow bark dates back way to Hippocrates when people chewed on the bark to reduce fever and inflammation. There's a big thing with Big Pharma and how they stole the idea of aspirin from White Willow. And it's true. They actually stole the idea. And that's why aspirin was invented. And like many drugs, they steal the idea from nature. But unlike aspirin, White Willow doesn't have all the side effects associated with the drug. So that might be a safer alternative if you want to do something that on that line of daily. All right, let's go with... um, Susan Patterson from Tarpon Springs, Florida. She writes, uh, Dr. Friedman, I exercise and eat a clean plant-based diet, but I can't lose weight. I do not eat sugar or any processed foods. I have heard that a lack of sleep could be to blame. I usually sleep five and a half hours a night. Could this be a problem? Uh, yes, uh, definitely. That could be the culprit there. Uh, you know, there's been so much research out there showing that a lack of sleep actually contributes to obesity. There was a study published in the American Journal of Human Biology, and it showed that sleeping less than six hours increases a person's body mass index, <clears throat> leading to obesity. And Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston analyzed sleep behaviors in a completely controlled laboratory environment, and the evidence showed short or poor quality sleep is linked to an increased risk of obesity. And here's the reason. When we're sleep-deprived, it can actually wreak havoc on our hormones that affect appetite and metabolism. And two of the big culprits are ghrelin and leptin. Ghrelin is the hormone that tells your body to eat. I call it ghrelin the felon because it makes you want to pig out in the kitchen like a prisoner that just got out on parole. And leptin, which tells you when you're full, is muffled. So when you're sleep-deprived, you have more ghrelin telling you to eat, eat, eat like a felon. Then you do leptin saying, hey, you might want to stop eating that piece of pie. So it's a kind of a perfect storm of weight gain. And there's another hormone that rises when you're sleep deprived. It's called cortisol. The body releases this hormone in response to stress, and it's a major contributor to fat accumulation in the abdomen. Cortisol also increases blood sugar levels. So, And it's not just weight that's a concern. I mean, research out there showing that if you're not achieving deep restorative sleep, you might end up six feet under. Actually, research conducted by the University of California found sleep deprivation affects every aspect of our biology, and it's the culprit behind a host of potentially fatal diseases like high blood pressure, atherosclerosis, and heart failure. Another study conducted by Warwick Medical School found that less than six hours of sleep per night gives you a 48% greater chance of of developing or dying from heart disease. And for those of you that are overweight and don't sleep at least six hours per night, your risk of having a stroke quadruples. So, yes, you need more sleep. Thanks for sending that question. And then how much sleep should you get? At least seven hours of deep restorative sleep per night. And research shows women average just 6.3 hours of sleep per night. 
And men only sleep on average 5.6 hours. So in my book, Food Sanity, I share why we've become so sleep deprived. And I offer several tips on how to achieve deep restorative sleep. And I'll share two quick ones with you today. Keep your room as dark as possible. That means no night lights or cell phone lights. And the big, big no-no is blue light. The color blue actually signals your pineal gland. That's a gland in your brain and tells it that it's daytime and it keeps you from falling into that deep restorative sleep. You also want to eliminate noise like dogs barking in the neighborhood. If you live near a road where you can hear cars drive by or if you have a spouse that snores, these have actually been found to keep people from reaching that deep, needed, restorative sleep. So you can block these noises out around you by using white noise machine or do what I do. I use a foam earplugs in both ears. It's available at most drugstores. I'll share a quick story. I kept waking up at... 4.30 every morning, and I couldn't go back to sleep. I don't know why. I just wake up at 4.30, wake up at 4.30, where I can sleep until 7.30, and I was getting up at 4.30. I never knew why, and one night I had to pee, and I get up at 4.15, go to the bathroom, and I'm laying there, and 4.30 time frame hit, and I heard my neighbor's truck drive past me, his loud truck, and I realized that was what was waking me up every morning at 4.30. So I got those little earplugs, the foams, put them in my ear. The next day I slept till... 7.20. I didn't wake up. So that's what was keeping me up, unbeknownst to me. So definitely keep it quiet. All right. We next go to Roberta Flanagan from San Diego, California. She says, my my four-year-old son is constantly sucking his thumb. He does this after he touches dirty floors, walls, and plays on the floor. I'm worried about him getting germs. Any tips on getting him to stop sucking his thumb? Roberta, my advice to you is let your son th suck his thumb. It's important. Actually, research shows it can actually increase his immune system to fight off germs that you're so concerned about. Children who suck their thumbs or bite their nails have a stronger immune system and are also less likely to develop allergies later in life. There was another study from Canada that I read that found that kids who pick their nose and eat their boogers also have a much stronger immune system. Yes, eating their boogers can be healthy. And the reason that boogers are such a healthy snack is because the membrane in the nose acts similar to flypaper. So what it does, it traps bacteria, dust, and other unwanted substances. And eating them helps introduce pathogens back into the, you know, from the environment into your immune system. And what that does is it builds up the natural defenses so you can body can fight off infection and disease. And the biochemist that headed up that interesting study, study of boogers, imagine studying that, but that was his job. And he actually theorized the reason boogers have a sugary taste is to entice children to eat them. But I guess the question remains, do they taste good on a Ritz cracker? <laughs> and there was another one I found. It. The Mayo Clinic did a study on children who either suck their thumbs or pick their nose, and they found that this leads to a 31% lower risk of allergies in life. So, Roberta, for the health of your son, let him suck his thumb. If he continues to suck his thumb after his adult teeth come in, that's when you may have reason for concern. All right, we have a question from Ron Crichton in Tallahassee, Florida. Dear Dr. Friedman, I have allergies. Is there an herb that you can recommend that I take? Ron, my advice for you is to start sucking your thumb or bite your nails. Hey, we just learned. 
next? No. <laughs> if that doesn't appeal to you, I actually recommend two herbs that really help boost the immune system. And one is called echinacea. And then I like olive leaf extract. Both are really awesome at assisting the body to help fight allergies. But remember, look for high-quality supplements. I prefer herbs or nutritional products that have a certified GMP on the label. And that stands for General Manufacturing Practices. And what that does is that ensures stringent quality control tests have been passed. I remember reading there was an echinacea company in Florida that was using grass from out back. You know, there's really no standard treat, uh, you know, protocols. So if it says GMP, you know that it's been audited, it's been examined, and it's pure. So GMP, echinacea, and olive leaf extract. All right, our next question is from Nora Jeffords from Providence Road, Island. She says, I am going to a naturopathic doctor who has recommended I do coffee enemas. He says they will help my bowel movements improve and detoxify my body. It seems a little weird and I thought I'd run it by you first. What do you think of doc of coffee enemas, Dr. Friedman? Hey, Nora, coffee enemas, you know, they're actually becoming a popular trend for good health. Celebrities out there like Gwyneth Paltrow and Suzanne Summers and Madonna have publicly shared their love for coffee enemas. So it has definitely become very popular. And uh, for those of you that haven't heard of coffee enemas, this is really just a type of a cleanse in which you insert insert java through the rectum into the colon it's also been used to remedy from everything you know touted for depression autoimmune disease allergies to cancer but nora before you start your morning crap a chinos <laughs> there are a few risks you need to be aware of this includes infection rectal burns perforation something called proctocolitis which is inflammation of the rectum and colon and there's actually been a few people that have died after doing a coffee enema so it is something to take seriously there's a plethora of science showing the health benefits of drinking coffee but unfortunately I couldn't find anything concrete out there for evidence showing the health benefits of putting Folgers up your rectum. It sounds even weird to say, Folgers up your rectum. It just doesn't sound natural. I did find, by the way, one study from the University of Minnesota that found coffee enemas can help the liver stimulate the production of a beneficial amino acid called glutathione, which helps lower inflammation. However, if that's your goal, you can take a supplement for glutathione without the mess of shoving coffee up your rectum. And, you know, coffee enemas are not something I'm 100% opposed to, but not something I personally would add to my wellness regimen. There's just so many better ways to improve the health of your colon and improve your bowel movements than relying on Starbucks coffee. <laughs> I'm having fun with this, folks. <laughs> Simply by, you can eat more fiber, that's going to help. Green leafy vegetables can help. And most importantly, the number one cure for constipation is stay hydrated. You know, what's funny is people eat a lot of fiber. They don't drink enough. And if you do too much fiber, it makes you more constipated because you're not adding water. So it does the reverse thing. So water's the key. Most people that don't have healthy bowel movements just don't drink enough water. So my rule of thumb is this. Drink half your body weight in ounces. So if you weigh 150 pounds, you should drink 75 ounces of water spread out throughout the day. And you'll be amazed at how regular just doing that will help your bowel movements and help you feel better. We just need to drink more water. So stay hydrated, eat lots of fiber, and you can enjoy your coffee the way it was meant to be enjoyed, sipping it, not in the other end. <laughs> All right, this next one is from Dan Westerfield from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
He says, uh, Dear Dr. Friedman, I've eaten oatmeal all my life, but I've read recently that oats are bad for me. What gives? I'll tell you, this is a great question. You know, my grandma used to make me a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast, and she would tell me how healthy it was, and it was like every day, oh, eat your oatmeal, it's healthy. And, you know, for decades, science proved my grandma was right. Oats have been shown to help lower cholesterol. They balance blood sugar and reduce the risk of heart attacks. That all changed when the paleo diet came out, and they told us avoid grains. They're unhealthy, and since, quote, our cavemen ancestors didn't eat them, we shouldn't eat them either. Well, in my book, Food Sanity, I explore forensic evidence on what our ancestors really ate. And spoil alert, spoil alert, their diet included grains. Yes, University of Utah shared forensic evidence showing remnants of grains between the teeth of cavemen three and a half million years ago. In fact, they concluded their diet was 40% grains. So our ancestors did eat grains. I am a huge fan of organic still-cut oatmeal, also known as Irish oatmeal. Don't go with these instant oats that are out there because what happens is they're overly processed, they're pre-cooked, they're dried, then they're rolled and then they're toasted steel cut oats because the closest to the original grain form are the healthiest option don't let the latest diet fat out there scare you away from eating this healthy meal i have steel cut oatmeal with blueberries for breakfast usually three times a week feel great love it stick with your oatmeal it's healthy all right let's see we got another question from Kim Myers from Asheville North Carolina hello Kim let's see she writes Dr. Friedman, I love drinking sulcer water. Is it bad for my teeth and bones? I heard it can harm both. Really good question. I do get asked that a lot. Let's talk about the differences. So you've got sulcer, club soda, and tonic. And these are all forms of carbonated water. Of the three, sulcer is the simplest. It really is just plain water that's been infused with carbon dioxide gas to give it a fizz. Club soda, slightly different. In addition to carbonation, some salt or potassium salts have been added. And there are some brands of mineral water that you can find that are from nature that actually come out of springs that are carbonated by nature. So they actually have natural carbonation. Nothing is added. So that's a really good option. And tonic water falls more into the soda family because it's often carbonated and sweetened. And unlike seltzer club soda and mineral water, tonic water contains about 124 calories per 12-ounce serving. That's about 75% of the calories of a 12-ounce can of Coke. So seltzer water, if you're worried about calories, that's the one you I mean, you want to drink. You're fine. Club soda is okay. But the tonic water is the one you want to kind of watch out for. And you're concerned that drinking these seltzer waters can erode your teeth enamel. Actually, that's been debunked. I know it's still out there. There have been people talking about that for decades. It's been debunked. While salsa water is highly acidic from the carbonation, it's very unlikely that the acidity is strong enough to damage the enamel of teeth. So that's been debunked. In fact, there was a study from the UK that found very little potential for dental erosion with carbonation. However, keep in mind, soda can hurt your teeth, especially colas, because of their very high acidity and sugar content. And research also has linked drinking carbonated colas to significantly lowering 
bone mineral density. So that's like osteoporosis. It actually depletes your bones, makes your bones weaker. The same is true for diet colas. So don't think, oh, I'm doing diet colas. I'm safe. No, diet colas are just the same. It's, it's the same principle. And keep in mind, carbonated water does not leach calcium from the bone. So don't be afraid of carbonated water. So if you enjoy salsa water, my answer is there's no reason to stop drinking it. In fact, I get many of my cola-loving patients off sodas by having them make their own using seltzer water. So what you do is you, if, if you're a Sprite lover, squeeze some lime and lemons into your seltzer water with a little bit of monk fruit. That's a natural sweetener. And guess what you just did? You made homemade Sprite. It tastes delicious. And for cola lovers, you want to get seltzer water, a little splash of prune juice, or you can use date paste and add some monk fruit or stevia. You have just made homemade cola that's low calorie. So that's a good option. Or you know what? Mix it up. Add some berries. You know, throw some blueberries and a little bit of strawberries. The key is flavoring it so you enjoy the beverage and get your needed daily water. As I mentioned before, we're so water depleted. And, you know, people just avoid drinking water. But, you know, a lot of my patients, I said, why don't you drink water? You know what they say? I don't like the taste. I'm, I'm thinking, water is like tasteless. If you don't like the taste of water, you're getting some rancid water because it should have no taste. But if you don't like it because it doesn't have a taste, which is more like what it is, not that you hate the taste, then you can play around with it and add some berries and blueberries and so forth. And, you know, not drinking enough water can lead to all types of health issues like memory loss, fatigue, high blood pressure, constipation, even makes you more prone to cancer. So you definitely want to increase your water. Half your body weight in ounces every day is vital. And so whether it's fizzy or straight or, you know, reverse osmosis or filtered, drink your water. It's so important. All right. I want to thank Everybody, for all the wonderful questions you sent in, if you have a question that you'd like me to answer here on the air, email me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. And if I answer yours on the air, I'm going to send you a signed copy of my award-winning number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. I'm also going to include my audio book, America's Unbalanced Diet, over a million copies sold. I'll send you one for free. If you want to stay up to date with my latest articles, videos, and podcasts, go to drdavidfriedman.com. And while you're there, be sure and sign up for my free newsletter with all the latest health news you can use. And you can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at healthradiodoc. If you heard me share something today that will benefit somebody you know that didn't tune in, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com and check out our podcast library and share segments with friends and family and coworkers and on social media. This is too important stuff to, to not share. Don't keep it to yourself. And of course, you can subscribe to future podcasts on iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.